listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Inclusive AF podcast. My name is Katie Van Horn. And my name's Jackie Clayton. Yeah, it is. Don't you forget <laughs> it, people. Um, so, hey, for those of you who are listening, uh, we have a special giveaway today. So Jackie and I um, had some fun and made, we got some, uh, well, let's be clear. It wasn't you or me that was creative. We have no, people that we, we know that part, are creative. We have people, yes. <laughs> To we have fair. some people who are creative, more creative than us. Um, but we have a, a very fun giveaway for an inclusive AF mug for those of you who are interested. What you have to do to earn this amazing mug is real simple. Um, you can take a picture listening to uh, this podcast, or you can take a picture, um, you know, highlighting inclusive AF podcast and tag us in your Instagram post, in your Facebook post, in your Twitter post, whatever it might be. On Instagram, you could tag inclusive AF. Um, on Twitter, LinkedIn, all those others, you can tag Jackie and I. Um, so if once you do that, we will send you your mug. We'll reach out to you and, and send you your favorite mug. It's really amazing. Jackie, do you like drinking out of the inclusive AF mug? Yeah, and it's the perfect size. Had. It is. It truly is. <laughs> so we have the right ever. people to pick out the mugs and do the creative. Um, all right, enough about that. So we have a fun, fun guest today. I'm very excited uh, <laughs> to introduce Maya. Um, Maya is coming to us. She is also a chief people officer. And so we will let uh, her do her introduction and then we'll dive into some fun questions. So Maya, welcome and please do Thank introduce you. yourself. Yes, thank you guys so much for having me. I am Maya. I'm the Chief People Officer of Jew, which is a purpose-driven marketing company that helps clients better reach and understand Gen Z and diverse young people. Um, so there I basically oversee hiring, retention, rec recruitment, company culture, EDIB, social impact, um, all that fun stuff. Um, I am a Black queer woman that basically is trying to work to um, create better experiences for everybody based on the experiences that I had at previous positions that I did not necessarily enjoy um, because of those specific identifiers. Um, and on the side, I do a podcast as well. So I'm super excited to be on somebody else's podcast. Um, me and my best friend, Carmen, we uh, host a Black Zillennial coming of age podcast called Big Fish, where we talk about all things related to coming of age, like how to navigate tough work conversations, how to navigate love, which is super annoying at this age. I'm 26. Um, so y'all already know what that's like. Like it's super It doesn't irritating. get any better at 46. And that's what to be I clear. hear. That's what I hear. So what am I putting all this time for? Um, but yeah, that's basically, basically me, but I'm super excited to be here with you guys to chat. Awesome. If awesome. I knew then what I know now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Change a thing, would you? <laughs> Not one. <laughs> the lies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Makes her fun conversations over cocktails. So Maya, where are you based? You're where are you today? So right now I'm in Times Square. That's where our headquarters are. I'm sitting at our desk. I usually work from home um, in Brooklyn. Shout out Bed-Stuy. I'm right in between Bed-Stuy and Bushwick. Um, but I am in New York City, the city that never sleeps, but slept a lot the past two years because of COVID. Um, but right now in Times Square with the rest of my coworkers. Um, very, very cool. Uh, Brooklyn holds a uh, special place in my heart. I had to do a speaking engagement there. It's, this has now been years ago. And I can never remember the name of the hotel, but it's right under the Brooklyn Bridge. 
and it's mm. their whole thing is eco-friendly and so they have mm. like a fern inside or not fern what is moss like inside the room they have a water filter thing whole situation um and of course uh, who doesn't love Pia from new york so um <laughs> exactly <laughs> So tell us a little bit about, um, so let's start with the podcast. So mm -hmm. you all talk about kind of all the things on the podcast. Yeah. What, what are you finding? What are you, what are the insights that you have figured out recently? It's so interesting. So the reason why I, I've always been interested in radio and podcasting, um, in college, I was involved in our campus radio and I was the campus, um, radio station manager. Um, and our job was basically to find new undiscovered and unsigned artists to play on the radio. Um, and I thought that that was super fun. Everybody also had to have a radio show if you worked at the radio station. So that's sort of where it happened. Like I had to have a radio show, but I was like, oh, I kind of like this. This is like very cool. And I also like talking, if you guys haven't noticed already, like I'm a big talker. Um, so when I graduated, obviously I couldn't have a radio station podcast or super in. So I figured, hey, why not? I have something to say too. And I really just started it with my best friend because I just feel like, Black women never have coming of age stories. Um, like Black women are always viewed as monoliths, which are just like Black women are strong and they're intelligent and they're sort of built to endure. And I hate that 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 like narrative that Black women are strong because it basically just says that Black women are sort of built to endure pain and like you'll get through it because this is like normal. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And it's like, no, like I make mistakes sometimes and I'm vulnerable and like I want to cry and I want to laugh and I want to be excited by things. And I just wanted a space to do that. Um, and it's basically just talk about a lot of the things I've learned, even though I'm 26 and have a lot more to learn. I feel like I've also learned a good amount thus far. Um, so we just wanted to to create this podcast to be able for black women to like learn and grow um and and and, and provide a safe space for that um is essentially what what it is and what i've learned thus far is that vulnerability makes me uncomfortable as much as i'm an advocate for it vulnerability sucks and it's hard and i've learned that even though i'm a self-aware person and and i'm super honest and open about myself that doesn't mean you're vulnerable that's what i've learned like you can detach from that you can tell a fact um and not be vulnerable and i struggle with that um so that's one thing i've learned from from big fish i love that you're so you're so right and i can appreciate sharing some of that narrative of of the things and i feel like especially going through this as a black woman people it's one of those things like you don't even understand what other people are dealing with like i'm, I'm told mm -hmm. that i'm supposed to be strong but yeah. at the same time it's like not recognizing what strong is for me mm -hmm. and what vulnerable mm -hmm. means for me and yeah. it's like so often especially now like it's more than just crying right mm -hmm. it's not just about that it's about being able to be true i need to be able to be true fully myself and i need you to not cry yeah <laughs> like <laughs> as i'm telling my my story yeah just hold the tears please yeah please hold the tears so uh and trying to go through all of that so i love that you know because i have um a podcast with my best friend Ooh, <laughs> we have been like up and down in hiatus as we're going crazy um, what would you say is one of the most shocking things or surprising things you've learned through doing your podcast? Ooh, what is the most shocking or surprising things that I've learned from doing my podcast? That's a good question. 
I think I've learned one that I don't take care of myself enough. Um, and I don't have to tell you guys doing your own podcast is not a joke is not a game. Um, I obviously work full time. I'm also part time student currently getting my MBA. Um, so doing a pop, I am also on hiatus right now because it's been a rough semester. Um, and I learned that I just, I just pile stuff on and I don't know what it is. And I've learned recently from, I was watching the Steve Harvey show recently for some reason. Um, I believe it was Steve Harvey show, but somebody said, I say no first and then think about it later. And like, I'm the opposite. I'll say yes first and be like, damn it. Why the hell did I say yes to that? Knowing I probably will not have the social energy in like two days. Um, and I learned that I don't take care of myself. Um, and that's not to say I don't enjoy podcasting at all. And I love it. And I, I it's such an outlet. Um, but I learned that I pile things on a lot. Um, even, and just because I'm also a good time manager and I'm a good organizer, doesn't mean that I don't need to break, um, is what I've learned. Yeah. Just cause you can, doesn't mean you have to. That part, that part. And I'm just learning that like last week. No, I'm glad you learned it. I yeah. just said it. I don't actually live my life that way, but I plan on it. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. Theoretically, <laughs> yeah, theoretically, yeah. it's a really good piece of advice. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I mean, so I just, I was able to listen in yesterday on a conversation about the most recent McKinsey Women in the Workplace study. And I know this will shock both of you, but women of color are taking on more and more at work and at home. I know that's yes. surprising. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. I would, you, you, I, as I, you know, I'm listening and it was a team's calls, a virtual event and all these people are like, oh, that's so shocking. I'm like, but is it really, is it really? Like <laughs> Nobody fell out. I would have like walked away, just like fully walked away from the like, yeah, I, yeah. How much so, did anybody pay? Did anybody pay for that study? Oh, wait, we'll just get to that. Yeah. I'm like, how <laughs> many millions went into it? Because I, I, you could just look, you could get me a Birkin bag and I will do a full study. Yeah, I will tell you what's what. <laughs> yeah. Get it to you in about a week. Yes, yes, indeed. With that one, I, I did uh, chuckle a bit when that was there was some surprise in the you know on the call, and I was like, okay. Um, but I think that this is something that so many people are coming to this reckoning of. I love what you mm -hmm. said of like saying no first and thinking about it later. Like that is, I think all women can take that advice, especially mm -hmm. women of color can take that advice because it is oh, I just want to take on more because that's what ex is expected with no yeah. conversation with no, hey, this is going to be hard. None of that, because the minute you say, oh, this will be hard, or I don't know if I can do this. There is that, well, wait a minute. Are you, are you the one then, or do I need yeah. to, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, social impacts. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. So Let's tell us a little it. bit. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about what you all do in regards to social impact with the, the consultancy. Yeah, that's a great question. So we, by nature, are a purpose-driven company. Um, and for us, that means having that embedded in our company from the beginning. It's not something that we waited to add when we could. It's something that's always been at the foundation of the company. Um, from when we started, there was always a budget for it. There was always a strategy behind it. Um, and not just specifically for the social impact department, but how do we um, maintain purpose throughout all of our, our departments and throughout all of our initiatives about the way that we pick partners, who we're working with. That's a big thing. Um, and not just who are we working with, but what are they asking us to do? Because um, I'm sure you guys are familiar, you get a lot of clients that are just like, just make it seem like we're doing something. Like, just just, just make it seem like we care about X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, let's 
let's explore why you should. Let's explore the ways that you actually can. Um, so that's one aspect is just fundamentally being a purpose-driven company and caring about um, the causes and the things that are affecting Gen Z is globally. Um, as it relates to our specific social impact department, the way that, that I oversee along with my colleague, Daniel, the way that I like to think about our social impact department, it's all about access and it's all about empowering. So who should we um, be working to empower and elevate in terms of folks that are already doing the work? Because it doesn't really make sense for us to reinvent the wheel. There's gonna be a nonprofit anywhere you go that is already doing the work that you're thinking about doing elevate them like they need the money they need the, the resources they need the human capital let's find them so that's one part of it it's working locally within nyc and also other communities because we do have employees that are remotely so we have the ability to um connect with them and ask them hey who should we connect with in your city so that's one part of it is working with them locally um but another part is providing access um to gen zers um so we do that through micro grants but we also do that through programming um one big initiative that we rolled out for the first time last year that i'm excited to continue this year is our gap year program um so Jude will bring on a student for nine months to do a rotational program in three different departments just to simply get experience um that was the 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 most annoying thing <laughs> that i experienced as somebody who's looking for a job you don't have experience and you can't do this and it's like well i can't afford to do an unpaid internship right um and then folks also don't want to give you the experience before you have it um so that for me the gap year program was something super important for us um to provide access and experience to gen zers um remotely um and so those are some of the things that we have worked on thus far in terms of what we're doing in the future we have a, a plethora of conversations with a bunch of different nonprofits that I was mentioning before about how we can elevate and support their efforts. So through that, we offer pro bono consulting for nonprofits and organizations that need it, whether that's helping um, them in, improve their social media so they can get their voice out there, whether that's us partnering them with our our clients in terms of doing sponsorships and events, whether that's partnering them with our influencers so they can have ambassadors for their program. That's some of the work that we have done um, in our social impact department. I want to go back to something that you just said, and, and I think it's something that we could spend some time on, mm -hmm. you know, the idea that I can't take an unpaid internship. And it's something that Jackie and I've talked about a little bit. And, you know, that goes back to that accessibility piece. And, you know, I, I work with a client and they do, um, they have, they work, they work with the federal government through the VISTA program. And for mm -hmm. those of you who don't know, it's a, a very low paid internship mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. and, and you're going into underserved communities and helping them with something. And, and it is so hard to even think about because it's literally not even below minimum wage it's just nothing that you could live off of but they do mm -hmm. get a small stipend right i would love for you to talk a little bit about just you know kind of what that accessibility piece really means to folks from underserved communities and folks that just wouldn't have the opportunity that don't have mommy and daddy to fall back on to say mm -hmm. hey get me an apartment or get me a whatever hi my name is sarah and i want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, 
avoiding, or seeking, feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Yeah, yeah, it means (laughs) there's so many things that it means. It means a lot. So I also um, am a first generation low income student. Um, my mother did not go to college. My father is not in my life. My mom ended up did going going back to college when I was in high school, which is also an interesting experience having to like help her and, and study with her and like also trying to be strict. Like, I'm not telling you to answer. Like, you have to figure it out. And here's how you figure it out. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a household, two bedroom apartment in Queens, left back Queens with about five people sharing a bed with my brother. So I know all too well um, that experience. Um, and what I, what I can say, speaking for myself, is that all we need is somebody to take a chance. And that sounds super corny, but that is truly all we need is somebody to take a chance. Um, I say this often that like, I don't feel like, I feel like I got where I'm at because somebody saw something in me and was willing to, to take a bet on me. And that, that's all you need. But the problem is, folks from minoritized communities are less likely to receive that grace. And that's the issue. Um, and we know why they're less likely to see that, receive that grace, whether it's prejudice, bias, systematic racism, et cetera. Um, but even just receiving that opportunity just gives me more faith in myself. So it means a lot to me to see somebody who I know is capable of doing a job being like, hey, I, I can see you doing this and I'm gonna provide you the chance to do that um, with money. Like, it's so wild to me that that unpaid internships are even still a thing. And like, I, I, I just can't, I, I just know how stressful it was for me going to college and like working three jobs. And I just can't imagine if one of those jobs were free. Like I have to take care of myself and I have to, like I, I've been paying my bills since I was 16. And I don't think people consider um the amount of children because they're low income or first generation that are doing a lot of things on their own trying to make it um and i think that folks just taking a bet on you makes a huge difference it should be illegal yeah yes <laughs> yes very like, much i thought that. we had rights against that like <laughs> I mean, it's no. just like dumb i mean like and you know some of the experiences that you get isn't great. I mean, I talk about my oldest child, Clay, like he was about to move to New York. We'll talk offline because they need a place to live. Got you. Got you. Um, editor, take that out. But anyway, <laughs> um, but when you like, it was like, oh, like you're a math major, come be a systems architect. And they're like, okay, mm. but I'm a math major. And they were like, look, you're actually a systems architect. And it's like, oh, mm. I am. I had no <laughs> idea. Yeah. Um, and giving those opportunities. And I think it's all, I think we have to do more in high school about advocacy mm. um, and teaching people how to advocate for themselves. Because yes. especially I live, you know, in Waco, Texas which is just like Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. but a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And those kids don't know that they even have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. They think this is where you you are supposed to be. You see generations where it's like, 
this is just what I do or what we do and don't have an opportunity um, to see any other way of life out because, you know, when you live like in the middle of nowhere. So teaching them to advocate for themselves to even speak up can be a challenge. That's super important because being in HR and people ops, I mean, it's statistically proven that folks that are more likely to advocate for themselves are white and or male. Um, and I can also say from experience that that is absolutely the case. And I don't know if it's because, I don't know if we were like to your point, never taught to advocate for ourselves, um, or I don't know if we get nervous about it. Um, somebody asked me this question before, and I was like, honestly, I never, before I started working in HR, I never even thought about like doing a counter offer <laughs> for a job. It was just like, okay, whatever you give me is, is what I'm taking. And it's so interesting here, like being, being in HR and, and seeing the statistics ring true. And I just want to be like, no, no, fight for, for whatever it is that you want. Like that, that's totally okay. Like a lot of my friends come to me for advice um, that work outside of the company. And I'm like, girl, this is how you do it. This is what you say, because I guarantee you somebody else is advocating for themselves unasked. That's also a thing, unasked. Like just sending an email like, hey, can I be considered for X, Y, and Z? And you should do the same. Go out there. They, everybody else is doing it. I have to tell you, it, my best day is when someone goes, well, and when I was like, what are you looking for? And they were like, oh, I would be, you know, I think I'd be happy at 90. And I was like, well, the minimum on this is 120. Would you be okay with that? They're like, really? Well, I. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, P.S. If you don't take this and it doesn't work out, this is what you need to be asking for at a minimum. Like this is the, mm -hmm. like start mm -hmm. with this because this mm -hmm. is, you know, just one, one place. But you're right. You yeah. do see a lot of that in HR. Yeah, I wish there was a class to your point in high school of just negotiation skills that, you know, you know, I it's that they pull the woman, the women aside or, you know, whoever it is and just say, this is how you do this, because it actually makes me very happy every time someone counters. And if it's not the typical person that I'm expecting to counter that they well, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask for more. And you're like, yes. Right, right. <laughs> no, I can't give you more, but yes, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. But I, I love it. I love it. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. And then we take a break. I love that. And we're back. Woo! <laughs> love that. I want to talk about something that we kind of like touched on before the break and you had mentioned like um why does that happen when you're talking about like white men always advocating and mm -hmm. um uh, other people that are don't fit into that narrative have the harder time and i think um there's one thing that has been passed down since the very beginning of generational trauma that goes through and also people telling people that they're lucky right mm. you're lucky you have a job like or you're lucky mm. i let you in here and a lot of people don't realize especially we know where um where that like there's a gap obviously for parents or education or having that background and people do not know their worth yeah they do not yeah. know their value and that's why it's such a great push now we're seeing like legally in and coming up soon in may legally we're going to see all of those salaries so people mm -hmm. can say oh i didn't even know i should have asked for that i guarantee right. there are people that are going to be like i've been grossly underpaid you think the great resignation yeah. happened now it was a thing like, now 
Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting that you say that because it almost was like an epiphany because I, I say that about myself often. Like I'm lucky. Like I'm lucky to be where I'm at. I'm lucky to be able to do X, Y, and Z at 26. But it's like, that no, also doesn't lucky. mean that. Yeah. 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 Because let me tell you, I wasn't doing that at 20. Listen, I don't know. Don't tell my old boss when I was. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like you when you especially when you're grateful and you have you don't have the example of generational wealth or passing down of that wealth and you see other people struggle, like you were saying, then you don't you you know, like I remember like I always say when we were poor and then we were rich and then we were poor again and then we were like eh, and then we were rich and poor again. I remember like I was a bartender and being like people giving me twenty dollars for for drinks and being like, gosh. I wish I had a $20 bill. Like when was the last time I had an mm-hmm. actual $20 bill? So then you're like grateful, but then you recognize, wait, I, I think we need to start looking at people like you're you're already talking about as a whole person and different yeah. qualities that they can add to the bottom line, not just title and those things. People have vast experiences that we can find yeah. value of. They've given the opportunity. Yeah, no, that is so true. I'm like, uh, I'm all emotional now. I'm like, damn. You told you to- taught me that. I'm not teaching you. you just taught me that. <laughs> you taught me that before the break. <laughs> You're touched by yourself right now. <laughs> Your own words. Congratulations. You are amazing. <laughs> Let me I quote you, you back to you. <laughs> that is hilarious. You are absolutely worth it. I think that's a piece that, you know, does get lost sometimes though, is that, you know, this is what we talk about when we're talking about diversity too, is giving opportunities with someone that maybe doesn't have the exact right experience or doesn't have the, all of the check marks marked, you know, and that's something, again, we know for reason, if, you know, a woman is looking at a job description, she goes, oh, I, I shouldn't apply because I don't have all 10 of these checks on the check marks of the the bullet points and others will. And it is interesting because I love talking to folks that have a completely different background and having that conversation going, Ooh, you know what they'd be really good at? And then throwing that out to them. And they're like, had never thought about that. And Mm -hmm. those are the conversations too, that are so fun, especially when it works out, of course, Yeah, (laughs) Um, that makes it like the best and, and doing this work. So awesome is being able to have those opportunities to say, come and learn and do this and and see how it goes. Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's also a two part situation. I think one, we need to encourage folks who are less likely to do that, to do that, to to apply to those things, even if they're not 110% qualified. Um, That's one part. But I think another part on the hiring side is to be open-minded about it. Um, Like if you know, like for us, for example, because we are representing Gen Z, we want our company to be as a, representative of of the generation as possible. And that fundamentally means that a lot of people that we hire are not going to be qualified for some things because we hire a lot of Gen Zers. A lot of times it's their first job or they've been at Juve for so long that Juve is all they know. Um, But it's all about one, like I was saying earlier, sort of taking that chance. Um, but two, um, and, you, and you, I've seen a lot of this in a lot of articles about sort of how to navigate through the great resignation, um, but bringing on folks who aren't checking all the, all the boxes and giving them an opportunity to develop professionally with you and grow with you and grow with the company um, and learn to love the company in that same way. And I think that 
that um, it's a great retention mechanism, but I also think it's an opportunity to, to bring in people that you may not even considered before, which is obviously going to be amazing for your, for your company and for your culture and for the folks working there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Are you frozen? Are you just looking? Are you, are you blinking? <laughs> I'm just, that's the I'm first time blinking. everybody not moving. I was just blinking frozen. because sometimes it's almost like, like, yeah, no, sometimes I was just like thinking about it, shaking my head as you saw, because sometimes it's just honestly kind of wild that not everybody thinks this way in my head. Right. Like sometimes I'm just like, this is common sense, is it? Is it not? But my mom it's says not. common sense ain't, ain't so common. So it's not. I got to remember that. No. Yeah, it is not. <laughs> But I, I think it also goes to another point that comes up, and, and this is the how many folks do we that are mediocre at best that have been given opportunities and kind of go, hmm, how'd that work out? And and because of the network they have, because of who they know, because of whatever, you know, whose dad, you know, whatever, um, they get these opportunities. And so it is happening. It's how do we expand it to let everyone in on this this work and on this network and on whatever you want to call it to say let's take a chance or let's hey what's the worst that can happen you know like yeah. I that's I'm all that don't ever say like, that ever <laughs> <laughs> I know so many wood. things that could happen yeah, I, I mean, knock so on wood <laughs> let me tell you what could happen it yeah. did, but um, but like I'm just saying, like uh, like the taking a chance and going, hey, let's see if this person could do this work, and if it doesn't out, then you go, okay, well, hey, we tried that. Yes. But I also the only piece I'm gonna now contradict what I just said because I also hate when folks are brought in is the hail mary. Oh well, mm. let's see if this you know woman of color could come in and and take over something that no one could fix. <laughs> And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we tried that diversity thing and it didn't work yeah. out. So yeah. now we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. That's such I a love- good point that you bring up because I thought about, it's so funny. Um, I thought about that exact point when the mayor of New York City used the words low skill and high skill worker. Um, which obviously for a lot of reasons is completely incorrect that I'm sure you guys know, but that's the instant thing that I thought about was like, when I started here, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. Like at (laughs) all, I figured it out. We were a really early startup at the time. So like we were all just figuring it out. And like, thanks to the universe, we eventually got it together and we're, (laughs) we're doing, you know, pretty okay. But nobody at the company when I joined should have should have been doing a lot of the roles that they were doing because we were technically unqualified. But we learned, we figured it out, and we made we made do with what we could. Um, but I also think about when I was going into the workforce and everybody telling me it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, and then for us to try to diminish folks based off of the roles that they are are 
are operating in and assuming that it's based off of their skill is just wild to me. Um, when in reality, it's a it's in work and capitalism is an exclusive space. It's not inclusive. It is about who you know, and it's about it, it's about um, um, what you have access to. Um, and a lot of minoritized groups do not have that access for a lot of reasons. Um, and it has nothing to do with skills. And that goes back to, again, that if you are not qualified 110% for that role, throw, throw your hat in there. Throw your hat in there. There's a bunch of other people who are also doing the same. Well, and I think we're seeing it play out live right now at the Supreme Court level of yeah. a highly qualified person being questioned and questioned and questioned. And it's like, I'm full triggered. I don't know oh, if you saw. I just put it on on LinkedIn from the LA Times. There's a professor at Georgetown that let their class women and gender studies program watch it, and she said, um, in watching um, Katanji Brown Jackson's Senate hearing, said this is just a masterclass in how Black women have had to be patient to mm. be fully composed in responding to mm. things that are meant for destruction. These are the mm. kinds of attacks that black women get in their professional roles. And it's like, I'm fully triggered. Like, I mean, and it happens all of the time. I, I don't think people recognize how steep people like to say systemic racism, but they don't talk about systemic white supremacy. This is not, like everything Ooh. is based in that white supremacy, including the way that we interview and hire that was determined by white men who already had the privilege. That's why these are the things we're dismantling. So if you don't look at it like that, that's why it's like, it's who you want to know, because that's not, yeah. we don't base it on potential. We don't hire based yeah. on potential. And mm. the better security, the better IT is getting and all of the AI that's getting, the worse it's going to be because mm. we have lost sight on what is not being said on a resume that shows mm. that this person is somebody we need to bring in. Mm. That's such a valid point. That is such a valid point. And also think about, um, <laughs> I also think about the fact that they're going to, I feel like everybody has had the experience at some point in their uh, work life um, where they have encountered at one point or another somebody who was mediocre and should not have been in that position. Um, and it's like, if you're willing to take that chance on that person, you might want to take that chance <laughs> on somebody else as well. I should be okay, right? Right, right. <laughs> That's, That's all what, I'm saying. We've all like walked into a store or gone to a service and been like, how do you, how do you get this job? Like, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall through that process because. Well, and it's also, happening? how did you get that job? And how do you keep that job when you don't you do anything? It? That's how, right. how, tell me how. And um, demand for more money. I've met them too. Mm -hmm. And mad that they didn't get a raise. Y'all tricking me right day. now. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, you didn't know you were gonna get all fired up coming on this Usa. podcast, did you, Maya? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm getting yeah, a little yeah. warm. <laughs> <laughs> There's still a lot of work to be done. To be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so tell us a little bit more about the consultancy. So social impact, obviously. Who are your clients? Who are you working with? What do you, what do you, what's your focus area? 
Yeah. So as I was mentioning before, we are a purpose-driven marketing company um, and we fundamentally just help clients better reach and understand Gen Z. So clients will come to us with a specific ask and we'll partner them with Gen Zers on our team. Um, we have folks in all 50 states as well as internationally um, to conduct research, to co-create campaigns, to execute on any strategy, um, live activations, presentations, social media audits, retainer services, the whole nine. Um, some of our clients that I can say um, include Jansport, um, Beyond Meat, um, Timberland are some of our past clients. Um, we also worked with um, BET, um, as well as a few nonprofits as well, um, and startups like Avia, Geneva, um, Levi's, um, Beats. Um, we worked with a really cool company and i'm blanking oh freedom march nyc which is a nonprofit in new york city um black woman um nonprofit that was really really prominent in the summer of 2020 when the murder of george floyd happened and the world wanted to suddenly pay attention um they held a lot of the the um um walks and and um um, I'm blanking on the word. They had a lot of the walks and um, protests um, that happened in New York City in the summer. And we worked with them during that summer to help them um, with sponsors and, and partnerships with our clients, as well as we recently did a Black History Month and International Women's Day uh, video with them, highlighting the fact that one, Black women are not a monolith and the, the many different um, uh faces and aspects of black women um so we work with nonprofits, small companies political campaigns as well uh, and some of the bigger companies that i mentioned awesome very that's cool that's cool it is i'm not gonna lie my job i will say we and that does not mean it's not stressful i don't have to tell y'all working with clients at any um at any organization can be a little stressful at times but i i can honestly say i enjoy my job I enjoy the fact that we can be honest with our clients. Like we've hopped on calls and been like, that's trash or like, that's racist and you need to change that and here's why. Um, and I don't feel like there's, I've worked at other companies before, Jude is not my first job. And I don't feel like that is something that could fly at other companies or in their culture um, to have a lot of those tough conversations. And even internally, we've had folks, you know, be like, hey, can we try doing things this way? And we'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like let's let's adjust. So I really enjoy that about you. That's awesome. And I, I love the idea of calling out those times when a marketing campaign or whatever it might be just is like, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who said this is okay? Yeah. <laughs> Who said this is yeah. a good idea. Um, I'm I'm thinking back to uh which Jenner was it that did the Pepsi? Pepsi I was gonna bring it up. I was gonna bring it up. Candle. Yeah. Candle. Candle. Oh, 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 baby. baby. Yeah. Oh, honey. Doesn't know. Yeah. Bless your heart. <laughs> exactly. Sugar. Bless her heart. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, I think all of us can think of probably right off the top of your head where you're like, who was in that room? Who was in the right. room that said that was okay? Right. Um, very cool. I think I told you, like, I, I started to do that lately because of the algorithm. We were watching, mm. me and my oldest were watching a movie and all of the commercials were of black people, which started feeling like a weird get out moment. Like this isn't like mm. normal for me. And I started feeling a little uncomfortable. And then we started looking at it like, how realistic is this? <laughs> like we were looking at the commercial and being like, 
Nobody right. people are doing that. Nobody's running doing that. Running through a meadow. That doesn't make running sense. Running through a meadow. Throwing frisbees, holding, <laughs> swinging kids in the park, eating Cheerios. Nobody's doing that. That is not yeah. attractive to me. That does not look like real life to me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just brought up Cheerios. Can we talk about uh, Ice-T now being the Cheerio person Listen, they must they must be not juv it's like a, that's a gen x marketing. that's what i was like yeah, could I, you was imagine? Like, I don't like but i'm also yeah. like ice tea i'm ashamed for you i am not okay with yeah. this i i do everybody has this. to pay their bills katie he's got, got he's got he's got uh he's law got and order money, money doesn't i'm gonna call coco and be like get your husband off coco. Of these commercials immediately. listen coco wants the money i just don't even i can't Gosh. <laughs> if anyone knows how we can get a hold of Coco, please let us know. We need to talk to her yeah. immediately. That's right. Um, Fun fact: I actually went to. I, I don't know if you guys remember this. Ice Tea and Coco were supposed to have a uh, daytime talk show. Um, yes. Like I, I went to their like first ever taping with my mom. Oh, what was that oh like? What was it like? Tell Did you see Coco in person? Yes, we saw Coco in person, and the the person that they were actually interviewing the guest was actually um from Orange is the New Black. I'm blinking on her name. Um, she has like a buzz cut, but she has like the swoop in the front. Um, totally blinking on her name, but she was there. Um, it was fun. There were some actors there in the audience. I don't know if that's normal for like daytime talk like talk shows to hire actors. I thought it was fun. I got to skip school, went with my mom, um, and they they didn't know what they was doing, but it was funny. <laughs> I'm going on the YouTube after this. I'm yeah, gonna look I, at the sale they I have need to look this up. Yeah, um, I want to go back to to one thing that you mentioned. So you know, you were talking about if I don't know the answer, if I don't know how to do something, what do you do? What is your answer? How do you handle it? Like, I think we all have these moments, and yeah. and I'm not talking about you know moments when you're you know not believing in yourself or any type of you know where is mm -hmm. there i just mean like hey i don't know how to do this what what's your how do you handle that what do you do so you're talking specifically in the role in the job sure yes um i've encountered that a lot as i'm sure you can imagine as a 26 year old cpo um <laughs> i've encountered it quite a few times so my first boss that i had um she would always whenever i had a question she her first response would be did you google it and that used to get on my nerves <laughs> sometimes i'm like dang can you just tell me the answer i promise you'll be quicker if you just said it than if i googled it um but that is always my go-to now like even even if i just want to like confirm my answer i just want to google it mm -hmm. um youtube um and then my last resort is somebody that i know somebody who's older than me somebody who has more experience um i feel like sometimes gen z gets this narrative even though i'm an older gen z i'm sort of like gen z millennial i feel like sometimes gen z gets this narrative that like we think we know it all and we don't care about um other generations and we don't have anything to learn and that is fundamentally not the the case and it's also um been proven to be true in numbers that gen z just like other um generations also look towards mentorship and professional development when they're looking for places that they want to work and places that they want to stay um so i always go to if they, you know we do have millennials and non-gen zers on our on our team um so i'm always like hey what did your company do in x y and z situation how would they have handled it and sometimes i don't like the answer i'm not gonna lie sometimes it's like Ooh, i would never do that 
Um, and then I'll just like tweak it to something that is appropriate for our culture. Um, but I always, you have to kind of be resourceful, especially in startups when things are constantly changing so quickly. I don't really have time to wait on somebody to figure it out. Like I'm gonna have to figure it out one way or another. And my go-to is usually going to somebody who has been through it and has the experience or just doing the research. So I love that answer. And that that is my go-to as well as GTS, Google that shit, mm -hmm. um, because that is the first. And, and, and I got that one of my dear friends, Joe, she used that one time in a professional setting and everyone around the table was like, what? And she explained what it was and everyone was like, I don't think you can I'm, say that in this room. And it was like, yeah, you can. Because yeah, I just did and it's fine. Everyone survived. Everyone lived to tell the tale. So GTS. Um, so the the way that we close out our show is we like to ask for one thing that you want to make sure the listeners heard, uh, one mm -hmm. thing that they can take away from this episode. Um, and we say one. Um, Jackie is very bad at this. She's Notorious. super bad at it. Yeah. I've been mm. really coaching her and giving her feedback on um, this Katie for a while. And... Mine. I, and then she, because I've said seven, she'll be like, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. That, mm. what, what Jackie said. Yeah. So what's mm. one thing you would want listeners to hear? Um, do I get to elaborate on my point? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Um, I think the one thing I would want listeners to hear is having tough conversations. And what I mean by that is I think that folks, companies, organizations, groups of people who are willing to have tough conversations are folks that are, in my opinion, um, are worth having conversations with. And that is not me saying that I think that all minoritized groups should be educating folks because I 110% don't believe that. Um, I went to a PWI where I spent a lot of freaking money, but somehow I found myself educating people instead of the opposite, including the people that I pay to educate me. Um, so I'm not saying that at all, but for the folks who are, you know, folks like Erica Hart who are paid to do this work and educate and et cetera, or folks who don't mind having those tough conversations with people, um, I think that finding folks who are open and willing to have those tough conversations are the folks that you should be dedicating your energy to um, and are worth having the conversations with. Um, it's the folks who are not willing to have that ear and not willing to hear what you have to say that um, I think is not even worth engaging with. Um, so for me, that's the one thing I'd want listeners to take away. Awesome. And I love what you're saying there, because I think there's also this piece of surrounding yourself with those people that you can have those conversations with. You get so much better yourself. Everybody takes something away. Every, you know, everyone gets to learn something. And so that's such a huge one that I think all mm -hmm. of us, and also like those difficult conversations. So also choosing folks that maybe have a different point of view to have mm -hmm. in front of you. Sometimes you want to throat punch them, but it's okay because you're learning. We're all learning right. together, even though there's throat punching. Um, Jackie, what's yours? <laughs> what's yours, Jackie? I think just, again, it's just reiterating. And I know we've said it several times. It's just giving people those opportunities, looking for the opportunities to give people the opportunities. Like mm. you might not want to, you know, there are some opportunities. Maybe you're not going to hire them as your CFO and they don't have right. any experience. However, look for opportunities to create opportunities so that you can open the doors and um, and do that. I think 
I know it's only one really this time, but yeah, yeah that was very good. I'm, I, I was waiting for more. I thought there were going to be. I know, me too. Things. Yeah. No. Um, I, I'm going to go back to your Steve Harvey quote of the say no and think about it later versus say yes and think about it later. I, I, I love that idea. And I think so many people should take that away and, you know, put that in, the, in your pocket because how many of us have been sitting on the couch at, you know, 530 on Tuesday going, I don't want to go to the thing, whatever the right. thing is. Um, I want to sit here and watch some trash TV and close my eyeballs. Um, and so I think there's like that, just saying no first, that being your default is such, and saying no as a sentence, no other explanation needed is also great. Um, Maya, thank you. This has been super fun. <laughs> It was so fun. Please invite me back. This was great. I love it. Okay. This. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have found now that like part one, always like it, it, it's always a good part one. We're like, let's have six more parts. Cause yeah, you don't want everyone to come back. That. So like, you need yeah. to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yes, definitely need to come please. back. Um, so this is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. Bye. <laughs> Okay, and this is the inclusive AF podcast. I judge you. I judge you right now. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>how much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.